All right, well, howdy, y'all. Welcome back to the back porch and episode number 36 of Once Upon a Time in Texas. I am your host, Michael Mitchell, and producer, writer, researcher, whatever you want to call it. I kind of do it all. So, I think y'all can agree that Texas really is just a gem of a state. It's a true treasure to all who live or pass through this great state. From occasional silver, foggy mornings to the gold-colored sunsets that we have every now and then, it's truly a great place to live. I love mining through the history of Texas to find the interesting and kind of of out-of-the-norm stories and uh, research those and relay them to y'all. Anyone have an idea what we're talking about here this week? I've mentioned gems, silver, gold, treasure, mining. That's right. We're going to get into 10 lost treasures here in Texas. So before we start mining through some of our treasured history, though, man, I'm working hard on the puns this time. I want to thank our gold sponsors, uh, me and American Mortgage Company. So I know there are tons of people moving to and in Texas, and I know some of y'all do too. So you know what? Let me help them out. Uh, I was having a great conversation with a friend lately who's also a, a loan originator in New Mexico. And I said, man, it's it's weird. This is kind of a tough job. I mean, because people have hopes and dreams and stuff that are hanging on you getting stuff done. And I said, so that's that's one kind of burden. But I said, the second part is, Absolutely nobody wants what we're selling. I mean, think about it, y'all. Does anybody out there really want a mortgage? <laughs> I mean, not me. I'd truly I'd like to be an independently wealthy philanthropist, but you know, that hasn't worked out yet. Um, mostly the independently wealthy part. I'm still a philanthropist. We do uh give a fair amount of money compared to our budget to local nonprofits that we love, but Yeah, independently wealthy, being able to give to everybody. Yeah, not so much yet. Anyway, um, you know, people don't want what we're selling, but to be able to make those hopes and dreams come true, you know, a lot of folks have to have a mortgage to be able to buy a house. So, you know what? If you have to have a mortgage, why not work with somebody like me that, you know, at least makes it fun, entertaining, um... And then really, I mean, brokers like me, mortgage loan originators like me, we are just faster, cheaper, and easier than going to the big box banks. So, you know, why not work with somebody like me? Send them my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. Let me help them out. Remember, when you work with me, I sell dreams, not mortgages. (laughs) hey so i'm actually working with a friend of mine i'm sure some of y'all have seen the uh once upon a time in texas logo um working with a friend of mine called stacy hortz uh and my gosh i have forgotten the name of their business stacy if you hear this i'm so sorry i will look it up and i will mention you in a future podcast um But anyway, uh, they've got a business. They do lots of media uh, stuff, you know, videos, music, 
um, logo design, website design. They do her and her husband do all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's really cool. And so she helped me design this logo for Once Upon a Time in Texas. And so I've gotten some feedback from folks that really like the logo. And there's a little bit of meaning behind it. Uh, you know, the windmill, I've got a thing for windmills. Uh, always have had. If you look in the center of the windmill, there's my family's ranch brand. It's the Howling Coyote Ranch. And so uh, I'm thinking about firing up an Etsy account and being able to sell shirts on there. So y'all keep an eye out if you want to buy some Once Upon a Time in Texas merch. Uh, hopefully that'll be coming by Thanksgiving, you know, if I get some time. So we'll see. Y'all let me know if that's something you're interested in. I mean, if it's something that you guys really don't give a crap about, then <laughs> maybe I won't waste my time doing it. So uh, anyway, yeah, something to think about. So, all right, let's get into the uh, meat and taters of this podcast today. So Texas. Texas is known for its vast riches where fortunes have been won and lost in things like oil, cattle, business, and commerce. But did you know there are still treasures out there that have been hidden and never found? That's right. You can, like, legitimately be like a modern-day Indiana Jones. I mean, Texas Jones doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Um, but actually you can go out and search for some of these lost treasures. And there are a lot of people that do. It's, it's pretty interesting. So let's check out a few. I'm just going to name off a few here. I've got 10 that I found and I'm going to give credit to the websites where I found them here in a little bit. Cause they're really cool websites. Um, so yeah, first, and these are all pretty basic, um, you know, stories, I'm not going super in depth, but kind of giving you the, uh, the quick skinny, as a friend of mine used to say, quick skinny on, uh, what these stories are. So number one are the lost San Saba mines. That's S-A-N-S-A-B-A mines. So one of the most intriguing stories of lost treasure in Texas is the story of the San Saba mines or San Saba, some people say. According to legend, a Spanish expedition led by Captain Don Juan de la Cruz in the 1750s discovered rich gold and silver deposits um, in and around the San Saba River, so which is now Menard County, which coincidentally, uh, I used to work near Menard. Menard was actually in my district when I worked for the Concho Valley Council, now the Texas Southwest Council, out of San Angelo, Texas. And this was part of the Permian Basin District, which was my district when I worked for the Boy Scouts. It was huge. 21,000 square miles of West Texas. Anyway, our camp, Camp Solmeyer, was actually, um, I think, about 15 miles west of Menard. And there was also a, uh, a place that we've talked about before called Presidio de San Saba, which was close there. Anyway, um, the vein was said to be in a hill, the vein of gold and silver, was said to be in a hill near the San Saba River. However, the expedition was attacked by the Comanche tribe and the location of the mines were lost. Of course. 
So another fascinating tale of this mine is the story of the lost Bowie mine, which may or may not be connected, but according to legend, Jim Bowie, the famous frontiersman and hero of the Alamo, discovered a rich silver mine near Menard, Texas, M-E-N-A-R-D, Menard, Texas. Bowie kept the location of his mine secret, of course, as we always do. And uh, after his death at the Alamo, the mine was lost. So many treasure hunters have searched for the lost Bowie mine and the lost San Saba mines, but they remain undiscovered. So basically nobody's been successful in finding these bad boys yet. So that's, I guess, technically two, but I guess there's some question as to whether the lost San Saba and the lost Jim Bowie mines are one and the same. Who knows? So let's jump on here to uh, number two. The lost treasure of John Singer on Padre Island. So the lost treasure of John Singer on Padre Island is a legend of lost treasure in Texas, of course. I don't know why I wrote it out that way, but I did. So there you go. According to legend, and a lot of these are according to legend. I just love that. According to legend, according to my brother's uncle's cousin's wife, Jim Bob. (laughs) It's kind of always how these start out. Kind of like a, you know, a good ghost story. It was a dark and stormy night. Anyway, so according to legend, John Singer was a wealthy rancher who owned a large estate in South Texas. We don't call them estates. We call them ranches. Um, But a large estate in South Texas. He was said to have buried a large sum of money, including $80,000 worth of jewelry and coins, on the southern end of Padre Island. So the story or legend goes on to say that Singer was afraid of losing his wealth to the Mexican government, during the turmoil of the Mexican Revolution of the early 1900s. He is believed to have hidden the treasure in a location on the island that was only accessible by boat. Hmm. That's also kind of a cool thing in these treasure hunters thing. They're only accessible by boat or, you know, donkey or hiking. Like, they're never in easy places, which I guess makes sense, you know. Oh, it's buried in my front yard under the water meter lid. You know, you probably don't want to do that. So over the years, uh, lots of treasure hunters have searched for the lost treasure of John Singer on Padre Island, but no one has been successful in finding it, of course. That's why it's one of our stories today. It says that the harsh environment of the island and its shifting sands and unpredictable weather has made the search for the treasure more challenging. Fascinating. Because again, I don't want to bury my treasure where it's, you know, really easily accessible. However, I mean, if John Singer really did bury it there, I would be like, you know, the shifting sands and probably no discernible landmarks would be kind of tough. I don't know. So anyway, I mean, despite this lack of success in finding the treasure, the legend of the lost treasure of John Singer on Padre Island has continued really to capture the imagination of a lot of people. 
it remains, you know, one of the many stories that can be heard throughout Texas. So, you know, there's, there's legitimately tons of treasure hunters still out there. We hear about treasure hunters all the time. So the next one is uh, kind of up here in my neck of the woods. Um, so we had one that was in San Saba, which is kind of central west Texas, out kind of southeast of San Angelo, kind of between San Angelo and San Antonio. That last one was on Padre Island, which is, you know, way down on the Gulf. And now we're going to go to the Red River Gold Coin Treasure. The Red River obviously being the um, northern border between Texas and Oklahoma. And this is actually not far away from me either because part of the story happens in Bowie, Texas, which is only 45 minutes east of me. So the story is about a treasure that was hidden on the south side of the Red River on the Texas-Oklahoma border in 1894. And this is a true story. It's still talked about a lot over in Bowie. In 1894, four men robbed the First National Bank of Bowie, Texas, and then headed north. They stopped for the night on the south bank of the then-flooded Red River. They were caught by Federal Marshal Lewis Franklin Palmore the next day, who found $18,000 in paper money in their saddlebags, but $10,000 in $20 gold pieces was nowhere to be found. One of the robbers tells the federal marshal, Paul Moore, that the coins had been hidden near their final campsite on the south bank of the Red River. Paul Moore searched for the coins but never found them. His son, Frank Paul Moore, believes that to uh, find the coins, one must visualize the flooded river in 1894 and get help from locals who remember where Rock Crossing was. So, the coins are believed to be somewhere between the bridge on Highway 81 and the mouth of the Little Wichita River, which are actually some pretty specific places. So, um, it does go on to say that the river has flooded many times since then, and the banks have changed drastically. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the river flooded in 1990, let me think about it, 1995, no, six, 1996, um, because we were supposed to have summer camp at Camp Perkins, which is literally right on the Red River. The majority of the camp is right on the Red River. We used to go swimming in the Red River, and then if the river was low enough, well, even if it wasn't, we would swim across and we'd go into Oklahoma. For what reason, I don't know. We were just being a bunch of dumb kids, but we had a good time. But um, that's why we didn't have summer camp there for a long time. Then we brought it back and it's gone away, but whatever. Um, but the banks have changed so much so that there's there's really, honestly, guys, been a little bit of a pissing contest between Texas and Oklahoma for quite some time. So, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure that out. 
All right, sorry. I kind of had to pause there a little bit. I don't see... I'm hoping this is all still working. Looks like it's recording. Hopefully it is. I'm going to keep going. If it's not, I guess I'm just going to record this thing again. All right, so there you go. Um, those coins are still said to be out there. Who knows? They could be under a ton of sand. They could be waiting to be exposed. So the next one has to do with the Lake Worth monster, which we covered in in my cryptozoology podcast about cryptids here in Texas. But this is kind of a fun twist on it, and I didn't see this earlier. The legend of the Lake Worth monster in Fort Worth is also linked to a lost treasure. Of course. So here we go. Y'all ready? Say it with me. According to legend, (laughs) I love that every time, a group of bandits buried a stash of gold coins near Lake Worth in the 1800s because it's always bandits and it's almost always gold coins. The bandits were chased away by a strange creature that later became known as the Lake Worth Monster. The monster was said to appear as a half-man, half-goat with fur and scales. It's always a goat. I don't know what the deal is with goats. But anyway, the monster had been reported to have been seen in 1969 by locals and is now local lore referred to as Goatman. I don't believe that's true. Goatman is kind of all over the state. Heck, we even had a Goatman at Camp Perkins where I was talking about. It was great. It was a great way to get our young Cub Scouts to go to bed because you know what? Goatman abducted kids that were under 11 years old. Hmm. Cub Scout age. But he didn't come out until after 10 p.m., which just happened to coincide with lights out time. And as long as you were in your tent and in your sleeping bag by 10 o'clock, because Goatman had hooves instead of hands, he couldn't manipulate zippers very well. And so he just didn't. And so, you know, it was better to be safe than sorry as a young Cub Scout at Camp Perkins and make sure that you were in your tent and sleeping bag before 10 p.m. (laughs) And it worked for the most part. Uh, Probably terrified the crap out of a lot of kids, but you know what? It worked. All right. So I think that this was probably just more hoopla, I guess. Uh, More yarn spinning to get more interest in the Lake Worth monster because that just adds an air, uh, even more of an air of mystery to it. So there's bandits no mention ever of who they are and they got gold coins no mention of where the gold coins came from and then they decide to bury them for what purpose we don't know obviously to hide them but you know from whom and they bury them at lake worth which i'm not sure lake worth was even around then i didn't really get into it that much i don't know if it's a man-made lake or not and he's chased away by this monster who never shows its face uh, or figure again until 1969 when it comes out. So, I don't know. Sounds like one of those, uh, you know, legends of camp kind of things. All right, so number five, the Lost Nacogdoches Silver Mine. So the story of the Lost Nacogdoches Silver Mine is, is also a fascinating tale of lost treasure. Again, y'all ready? Say it with me. 
according to legend, the Spanish mined silver in the Nacogdoches area in the 1700s because that's the Spaniards were real big on it. That's why they came into America anyway. They were searching for the lost city of gold and to basically make Spain the richest country in the world. But, of course, the location of the mine was lost, as it usually is. Something bad happens to all the people, uh, or nothing bad happens, but the people keep it a secret, and then they're incapacitated right before they die, and they can't share where it is. So, a lot of treasure hunters have searched for this lost Nacogdoches silver mine, but it still remains undiscovered. So, Nacogdoches has several stories of lost treasure. There's another one called the Money Well, which has an interesting story also. In uh, 1907, a Mexican man named, and I love this, a Mexican man named Hoppin Bell. Sounds like a very Mexican name. So if if anybody is of Spanish or Mexican descent, y'all let me know. Hoppin Bell seems to be uh, a little bit of a stretch for a Mexican name, but I could be wrong. But he arrived in a small town in East Texas claiming to be the great-grandson of Mexican General Santa Ana. Bell presented a waybill and a map of the location of the abandoned gold mine, which had been worked by the Spanish. So, it says that when the Texans were crowding Santa Ana, there was some $75,000 in gold already mined and loaded on the backs of 14 oxen and other packs. Um, The nuggets were pounded into masses ranging from size of a fist to a horse's head. So says Hoppin' Bill. So good old crafty Santa Ana, realizing he could never get the ore to the smelter in Mexico, sank the gold in the large air shaft, and then he covered the shaft with a huge rock. So, one corner of this plot of land was marked with a coiled snake carved into the trunk of a large oak tree. The snake's head was carved on the root of the tree, pointing towards the second marker, a pistol in an old hollow tree. So another marker was the wood stock of a Bennington rifle shoved into the ground. And the fourth marker was a large rock on a creek bed inscribed with Spanish symbols. So this guy Hoppin' Bell hobbled through the woods. Uh, Oh, it says he hobbled through the woods. So maybe, maybe that's why they called him Hoppin' Bell because he was crippled up. How sad. Anyway, so he hobbles through the woods uh, around Greenings Hills, I don't know where that is, um, for weeks, until they found the first marker, the coiled snake. And when he found it, people kind of began to believe this guy. When they discovered the solid rock jutting out of the uh, air hole, I guess, or or near a place called Turkey Creek, And it says that he showed the townspeople the glistening sands of gold. The whole town entered into the search for the lost mine. Because it must be true now. It took four men and two mules to move the two-ton boulder from the mine's entrance. The men frantically dug. 
the gnarled brush away and found the gaping mouth of an old mine. So, not too long after discovering the mine, the search is halted when Hoppin' Bell dies, and then Greening, I guess is the guy that owned the property, became, became too sick to continue. So, although the mine shaft was supposedly found, it was all but forgotten after the work was halted. Like, why wouldn't you tell your family? I don't know. That just seems weird. Oh, I'm sick. He died. Uh, I think we're going to halt. And, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody where this mine was. <laughs> According to legend, of course. So, all right. So there you go. The lost Nacogdoches mine, uh, apparently around Nacogdoches, Texas. All right. So the Little Cypress Creek gold. So during the early 1800s, the Cherokee Indians were displaced by the Texas Army from um, Tyler, Texas to Upshur County, which is right there close. So the Mexican government had pledged a significant amount of money to the Indians if they managed to vanquish the Texans, which is also some stuff that we talked about. Um, however, when it became apparent that it, you know, that this was unlikely to occur, the Indians supposedly buried the gold and silver and fled. So the Little Cypress Creek treasure is a legend of lost gold and silver coins that is said to be worth, of course, as always, millions of dollars. Here we go. According to legend, the treasure was buried by a group of bandits who robbed a stagecoach in the 1800s. The bandits buried the loot near Little Cypress Creek, which is located north of Gilmer, Texas. So that's another legend of where the loot came from. So it was either buried by the Cherokee Indians who were trying to vanquish the Texans or... It was a group of bandits that robbed a stagecoach and decided to uh, bury the treasure on Little Cypress Creek near Gilmer, Texas. So over the years, a lot of treasure hunters have searched um, for the Little Cypress Street, uh, Creek treasure. But of course, none have been successful in finding it. The exact location is very vague and unknown, as it often is. Um... The area and terrain around Cypress Creek is pretty difficult to navigate, apparently, because of brush. And then there's also, of course, the belief that it was never buried in the first place, while others believe that the bandits returned and retrieved their treasure at a later time, which makes total sense. If I'm going to be a bad guy, um, I'm not just going to leave it there, you know, bury it and be like, oh, I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. No, thanks. I'm going to go back and get it. So, but the legend continues today. It intrigues people and, uh, yeah, people are still looking for it. So there you go. Uh, let's jump to number seven, the buried treasure of outlaw Sam Bass. Somebody else that we've talked about in a previous contact, uh, contact podcast. So the buried loot of outlaw Sam Bass. Uh, is a famous legend of lost treasure. Sam Bass was a notorious outlaw, bad guy, who was active in the late 1800s. He robbed stagecoaches, trains, banks throughout Texas. Here we go. Our favorite term for this podcast, according to legend, 
Bass and his gang buried a large sum of gold and silver coins worth about $60,000 in several locations throughout the state. One of the rumored locations of buried loot is in a cave near Big Blue Spring, Texas. Another location is on East Mountain near Mineral Wells, which I've actually heard of people searching for. Um, Bass and his gang were known to have camped there, and some also believe that the treasure may be hidden in the Longhorn Caverns in the hill country or in a creek bed near Castell, Texas. Another rumored location for the treasure is a cave on Pack Saddle Mountain near Llano, Texas. Again, according to legend, Bass and his gang robbed a stagecoach and buried the loot in the cave before fleeing from the law. While many treasure hunters have searched for it, none have found it. But because it's, you know, Sam Bass, and he was a bad guy, and he is known to have robbed a lot of, you know, stagecoaches and trains and stuff, it doesn't seem that far-fetched. So, let's go to the next one. Number eight. The pirate Jean Lafitte's lost silver hoard. So, Jean Lafitte was a French-American pirate and privateer who operated in the Gulf of Mexico during the early 19th century. He was known for attacking Spanish ships and smuggling goods into the United States. Um, Lived a pretty interesting life, obviously, being a pirate, and apparently he was a dang good one. So the mystery surrounding his treasure has intrigued historians, researchers, and treasure hunters for over 200 years. Um, The treasure was believed to be buried in various locations, of course, in Louisiana and Texas. One story claims that Lafitte's treasure was buried near an oak tree on the campus of Mount Carmel Academy in New Orleans, which I believe they got tired of people sneaking on and uh, digging stuff up. So I think they actually did some research and they didn't find anything. Of course, if I were that academy, I would say that I didn't find anything either. Uh, Another story mentions a cache of ancient gold coins. It's always ancient gold coins, or almost always, uh, found near Jefferson Island. Maybe. Reports also suggest that large sums of treasure were buried in Lafitte, Louisiana, which makes sense. It's named after the guy. A family in Baytown, Texas, believes they found one of Lafitte's sunken ships, which could be a clue to the treasure's location. And uh, again, because pirates didn't really give away their secrets, it kind of remains an unsolved mystery. Um, There are lots of legends about John Lafitte's, I'm sorry, John Lafitte's lost silver load. Um, According to one story, he buried a cache of silver bars and ingots along the banks of the Sabine River near the Louisiana-Texas border. Another version of the legend, you know, suggests the treasure may be at the bottom of Hendricks Lake, which is also located near the Sabine River. Who knows? Um, Number nine, the Newton Gang's buried treasure. The Newton Gang was a notorious group of outlaws who operated in Texas during the early 20th century. There's a movie about it called The Newton Boys. It's excellent. They were out of Uvalde, I believe. Um which is also where actor Tommy Lee Jones is from. I think that's where the Newton boys are from. Anyway, 
They were known for robbing banks and trains and were responsible for several high-profile heists. Um, you know, they were uh, they were basically kind of like Robin Hoods, I guess. Um, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor. One of the most famous robberies attributed to the Newton gang is a train robbery which took place in uh, Roundout, Illinois in 1924 where they stole over $3 million in cash and securities, making it one of the largest train robbers in U.S. history. There is a legend that suggests that the Newton gang buried some of the loot for this robbery in Texas. Specifically, it's said that they buried a cache of cash worth around $100,000 somewhere on the Fredericksburg Road on the way to Bandera, Texas. There's no concrete evidence, of course, to support this claim, and the location of the supposed buried treasure remains a mystery, as always. Again, many people have searched for it. Nobody's found it, and I believe everybody that was in the Newton gang has now passed away. The last one's kind of a short one, and there are quite a few more. I mean, there's like 40 or 50 buried treasures all over the place. But the Paladura Canyon gold, so... It was uh, home to Indians and trailblazers, and it was often utilized as hideouts for outlaws. So there are tons of legends of buried treasure that have been told to be hidden in Paladura Canyon. Um, one such tale says that pioneers traveling through there long ago lost a cache of $20 gold coins that's never been found. Um that one surprises me other than going to the casino with my mom um, back when I was younger and getting really upset because she always or almost always came away winning money. Um, I would have been better off burning a $50 bill in my backyard. So other than going to the casino, I don't know that I've ever like lost money. Like, oops, I just lost a wooden chest full of $20 gold coins. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I don't even think I've lost a quarter. Who knows? <laughs> so when I hear of these large caches of gold coins, you know, being lost, what did it just bounce out of the back of the buggy? Are you kidding me? Did they not follow their tracks and go back and find it? It's going to be a big old pile of gold coins. Like go find that crap. <laughs> anyway. All right. So there you go. There's 10, uh, according to legend, lost treasures here in Texas. So there you go. Once upon a time in Texas with lost treasures just waiting to be found. Of course, the treasure is, you know, just living in Texas, period. I do want to give credit where credit is due to a couple of uh, great websites where I did some of the research. First is a website called highplainsprospectors.com. Um, they sell prospecting equipment to help you with various mining and treasure hunting activities. Looks really cool. I'm going to go check them out more because I'm just fascinated in gold mining. I don't know why. I think it started when uh, my grandparents took me on a trip to Colorado and we got to pan for gold and I found a little itty bitty piece of gold and uh, I was hooked. So they have a great blog about all kinds of stuff and it's just really overall a cool website. The other one is one that they actually recommend um, that's legendsofamerica.com and it has tons of U.S. history legends 
ghosts, uh, mystery stories, and really just a bunch of other cool stuff. So big thank you to those two websites there. Did a lot of my research through them. Last but not least, of course, I want to thank my buddy Michael Kurtz. Um, He is with the Thomas Fowler American Legion Post 169 that charters our female scouts BSA troop, Troop 2. And uh, he kind of turned me on to this information. So Michael, keep sending the stuff because I I dig what you're finding. And uh, I will get on and do a podcast about it. So there you go. What do y'all think? What other weird or off-the-wall stuff do you want to hear about Texas? Help me out here. I need some material. Uh, I did have another listener that contacted me um, through Messenger the other day, and I'm going to use some of that material in a future podcast. But I always need material. I love sharing this stuff. You know, I can't find all this weird and off-the-wall wacky stuff on my own. So, again, I want to thank our sponsors, me and American Mortgage Company. Of course, if you know someone moving to or in Texas and or now Oklahoma, because I am licensed in Oklahoma, send them my way to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. And remember, I sell dreams, not mortgages. All right. Uh, Before we put this pony back in the stable, uh, remember, go check out my Facebook group called Your Bucket List. Uh, Apparently, there's a few um, that Facebook pulls that aren't my page, but it's called Your Bucket List. So you'll need to look for the picture. It's like a leather map with a a compass on it. Um, Got some cool ideas, and I'm hoping to kind of build up the audience on that a little bit and really fire things off um, here in the next month or so. We'll see. Of course, check out the Once Upon a Time Facebook page and group. Um, So yeah. There you go. As always, you can find me at themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. Thank you all for tuning in to Once Upon a Time in Texas. As always, remember, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.